Hi, this is Stuart Hardy with All In Sports Outreach, and I'm so excited to share a new episode of our podcast with you. Today, you're going to hear from Vernon Fox, played college football at Fresno State, eight years in the NFL, former coach, ordained minister, husband, dad, but most of all, a passionate follower of Jesus and someone that I'm incredibly blessed to call friend. So without further delay, let's jump right into it. Well, thanks for joining me today, Vernon. Oh, thanks for having me, Stuart. You bet. And I'll start this off just so the listeners know that um, you're one of probably two or three that have previous guests we've invited back again. So thank you for doing that. Um, if listeners want to go back to the first one, I just looked it up. It was episode 50 in December of 2018. So almost two wow. years ago. It's been a while. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> so I thought it'd be good if we kind of lay the foundation a little bit about who you are first, and then we'll, we'll kind of get more into the conversation. But for listeners who aren't familiar with you, you know, you've had a very successful sports career, high school, played at Fresno State, eight years in the NFL. So kind of talk through a little bit about growing up, especially growing up in a place like Las Vegas. Um, you know, most of us outside of Las Vegas grew, grew up here in a called quote unquote sin city. So talk about your family growing up in a place like Las Vegas and then a little bit about your sports um, growing up in college. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and again, thank you so much for having me. And, and it's always a pleasure. Uh, I think when someone invites you to their home, it's special, but when they invite you back, it, it means a ton. So that's kind of how I feel today. Uh, oh, but yes, I, w- I grew up in, in Las Vegas. Um, and, you know, contrary to what people believe, we do live in houses and, and not in casinos <laughs> and, and hotels. Um, and uh, I grew up in, in a two-parent home, man, which I, I realize in this current culture and day is not always common. Um, but I've been blessed um, to have grown up in, you know, a strong foundational home, um, was exposed to the things of God at a very early age. Um, my parents have been married for 42 years. I'm, I'm wow. 41 years old uh, last week. And, um, you know, they're amazing. You know, when I grew up, uh, my dad was always my hero. You know, people would always ask like, who's your favorite athlete or who's your hero? And, you know, he wasn't an athlete, but, but he was always the person I looked up to. And so to this day, um, I do my best to try to be the same type of father, husband, um, you know, brother, uncle, cousin, you know, he's always just kind of been, that person that I look to. Um, and you know, my mother, like I said, exposed me to the things of God at an early age. Um, I graduated in 1997 and I went to Fresno state, uh, on a full ride athletic scholarship to play football. I was involved in sports at an early age, kind of did a little bit of everything. Um, football was the last sport I took up, believe it or not. Uh, but I played, uh, soccer, basketball, baseball, um, you know, I was involved in a lot of things. I ran track and, um, you know, had the chance to, to go on and play at the next level, which really was my dream just to play on Saturdays. And lo and behold, God, you know, kind of opened up even a greater opportunity for me to go undrafted into the NFL um, out of Fresno State and, and had the blessed opportunity, as you mentioned, to play for eight seasons uh, for four different teams. Uh, started with the Chargers, went to Detroit for a couple of years, Washington for two, and then my last two seasons were in Denver and uh, man, it, it, it was a tremendous blessing and an opportunity for me to kind of live out a dream. Um, but at the same time, it, it really was the catalyst for drawing me closer to God uh, because although I grew up in a, 
a Christian home. Um, you know, I think like a lot of young men, when I got to college, I, I kind of wanted to do my own thing and, and realize quickly that, that God had set me apart and had a, a short leash on me and, and he only would let me go so far. Recommitted my life um, at 18. And uh, man, I've been running ever since in the direction of serving God. And, you know, to this day, now I'm, I'm serving in ministry and, you know, I've been ordained, uh, I guess now for about six and a half, seven years and, you know, really just enjoying living this life. That's awesome. We'll talk about your faith um, a little bit more in the conversation, but I also want to, you know, a little bit more sports. So you retired after eight years um, and you got into coaching high school football, um, won a state championship. So talk about going from a player at the highest level to then, to then coaching. I know some people, they say struggle with that transition from player yeah. to coach just because you're, you expect your expectations are so high. So talk about that experience and that transition. Yeah, definitely. I, I, I think a lot of guys, um, you know, especially that play the game at a high level, like naturally you just think, Oh, I'll be a good coach. Cause I know football and, you know, coaching was the thing that really exposes how much you don't know about the game. <laughs> hmm. Um, I, I never really had a desire to coach, to be honest. Um, you know, a lot of guys that retire, you'll see them either in the broadcast booth or, or they go into coaching. And, and I really just tried to avoid both of those things. Um, but, but a great opportunity came my way and, you know, I really wasn't looking for it, but I got offered an opportunity to um, not just coach, but to be a head coach in my first time out. So that was interesting in itself. Um, and, you know, I, I prayed about it. I spent time kind of seeking God over whether that was the direction I, I needed to be going at that time. And uh, I took it on in 2013, uh, uh, the largest Lutheran school in the United States, Faith Lutheran here in Las Vegas. And, uh, you know, they asked me to be their head coach and, and, and I, I did it. And, you know, no longer than two weeks in, I was like, what did I get myself into? <laughs> because it, it was, as you say, a very difficult transition. You know, you, you go from showing up at practice every day and someone telling you kind of like, Hey, here's the practice plan, you know, do this, here's the drills that you're in. This is the section of practice. This is the period. And then all of a sudden you have to construct that, you know, I knew nothing mm -hmm. about making a practice plan, building a, a, a staff, um, hiring and firing, um, setting up scheme and identity of a team. It was a lot of things that I had to learn kind of on the fly. And so I tried to surround myself with, with guys that were experienced and, and that understood um, coaching that had been exposed to it and, and also just tried to have a strong vision for how I wanted the program to be run. And, um, man, we, we were able to see some amazing things happen. As you mentioned, in our first year, you know, we went 12-2 and two and won a state championship for the first time in the school's 34-year history. And, you know, it just kind of took off from there. So I did that for seven years. And, you know, just this February, you know, I resigned and, you know, kind of shifted into a different direction now. So what was that? Um, you mentioned just, you know, February stepping down from coaching. So kind of walk through that process and why you felt like God was leading you um, from, from coaching into, to the next phase of, of where he has you now? One of the things that I did each year and, and, and actually, to be honest, when, when I first took the coaching position, I kind of had like a, a backroom deal with God. Um, so to say, 
I, I basically committed in my heart, like, I'm going to do this for two years. And then, you know, I'm, I'm kind of moving on from this. Like that was the kind of the plan I had in my head. And so at that two year mark, you know, I, I kind of started doing this thing after every season where I go to God and I say, okay, God, like, you know, season's over, you know, I can breathe a little bit, you know, let me know, like, is, is this what I need to continue to do? Is this, you know, are you still commissioning me to do this or, you know, is it time to shift? Because I, I'm a real ambitious person and sometimes my ambition gets in the way. You know, I can I can kind of be running in a direction that is totally opposite of what God wants. And I think that experience with coaching really taught me something because, like I said, it wasn't what I was looking for. And, and I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know how it was going to work out. But God quickly showed me when you are obedient to my will and purpose for your life, like I'll, I'll kind of handle the details and so I just learned a lesson, you know, not to, to, to be someone that's always planning, you know, which direction I'm going. And so I started seeking God. And after that two years, he was like, Hey, no, no, this is, this is where I have you. And I settled in. And after every year I did kind of the same thing. And I never really felt like it was time to, to make a shift and something felt different, you know, after this last season, um, I always tell people that I'm on a red light, green light system with God that, you know, when, when I, when I see a green light, I, I go hundred percent. And then periodically I see that yellow light and it makes me kind of start yielding and, and slowing down and, and trying to listen and see what he's saying. And, uh, all of a sudden, man, I got the red light and he was just like, this is over. Now the unique thing about it was I didn't know what I was going into next which is not like me. I'm a planner. You know, I like to have things mapped out. And um, and I wasn't 100% sure which direction I was heading in next. I just knew that God was saying that that time had expired and, you know, what he called me to do during that season of life had, had been finished. I was uh, going through the book of Proverbs this month with, um, with the group. And uh, today, October 16th, we're recording this. We read Proverbs 16, and the first three verses hit exactly what you were just talking about. The plans of the heart belong to man, but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. All the ways of a man are pure in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the spirit. Commit your work to the Lord, and your plans will be established. So as yeah. you're talking about that process, that just hit me that, boom, that's that's exactly what I read this morning in Proverbs. You know, yeah. ironically enough. For the next step. Yeah. Ironic enough, Proverbs 16 and three is my absolute favorite scripture in the entire Bible. And outside of that, it was our our foundational scripture for the program when I was coaching. Like that was what we stood on. Proverbs 16 and three from day one to, you know, the end of year seven, that that was our foundational scripture. And and I believe firmly that winning and losing um you know, was predicated on us committing what we were doing unto God. You know, it wasn't so important what happened on the scoreboard, but I felt like winning was was winning in the lives of young men and having an opportunity to impact and influence them. And the way we did that was by committing our works unto God. And, mm. and he's the one that established those works and, and caused success. That's awesome. Very, I love Proverbs. This group, um, we, we started about a year ago. We go through Proverbs twice a year. October and usually around May. Okay. Um, it's just amazing if you read, you know, it's just a chapter a day. It's simple, 31 days in those months, yeah. 31 Proverbs. And um, yeah, that's that's one of my favorites as well. So let me ask you, so you stepped down in February and little did you know, um, what a month later, we would all be uh, dealing with the pandemic and COVID. 
So you go from super busy to we're all have lots of time. So um, talk about that transition, but also using that downtime to grow in your faith. What are some things you personally did to use COVID, this COVID time to grow? You know, I'm always um, sensitive to the fact that, um, you know, I feel like this pandemic kind of did a lot in the lives of, of people. You know, all of us experienced mm-hmm. some level of change and transition. And for some, it's been extremely difficult. You know, people have lost loved ones. You know, others have struggled um, with, with health issues and just all types of things. You know, economically, people have lost jobs. And so I'm always sensitive to that fact. Um, but at the same time, it, there have been a lot of benefits that I've experienced through this time as well. As you mentioned, um, I, I go 100 miles per hour. Um, sometimes I'm too busy and I got too many things going on. And, you know, this kind of forced me to slow down and stop. Mm-hmm. Um, ironic enough, maybe two weeks prior, my wife and I were having a conversation. And I mean, she was literally in tears just kind of saying, like, our life can't stay like this. You know, I know that coaching is over and that's probably going to help around the house because, you know, you've just kind of been everywhere and doing so much. And then, you know, it's a trickle down effect, like it makes her more busy and just, you know, so much going on. And she was literally in tears, just like we got to figure out a way to slow life down. And like you said, lo and behold, we had no idea that we were, you know, right on the heels of 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 coming up on on COVID. And um, so it, it was it was good for our family. You know, it it really just allowed me to have some intentional time with really seeking God and just saying, "Okay, you know, you've kind of forced me to to slow down now. I want to hear your voice clearer. You know, I want to block out some of the distractions. And uh, I just started paying attention and and being more obedient and and not just um, I, I get a lot of ideas. And sometimes I can say, you know, God is speaking to me, but I don't always act on those things. And so I just started it started with me walking away from, from coaching. You know, it was something that was uncomfortable, um, but it was clear that, that God's voice was leading me in that direction. And so since that time, you know, I feel like I've been hearing God clearer and maybe it's be because of this time that's been slowed down, you know, and, and it's been a, a closer bond that's been built in my house. I've been able to be a greater steward of time, um, you know, of leading my family and, and also just trying my best to have the greatest level of impact that I can in the lives of people for the kingdom. And you've done that. Uh, you started a Bible study. It was on Saturdays for a, a season during COVID that you were doing Instagram live and also now hosting some one-on-one conversations with people. Um, so talk about, you know, how God is, has given you these, these ideas and platforms and, you know, talk about what, in kind of the heart behind that Bible study and then those one-on-one conversations. Yeah, I think I mentioned this to you prior to, to us kind of getting going today. For me, a lot of things I do are, are spontaneous and, mm-hmm. you know, I, I kind of feel like God will kind of start leading me in a direction. And I'm one of those people, again, I like to have things mapped out and I like to have a plan. And so, you know, I write it out and I'm like, okay, here's, you know, week one, two, three, four, and God just hasn't allowed me to do that. It's kind of just been like, just, you know, do what I'm telling you to do. And, and I'll kind of show you as you go. It's almost like Abraham, like, you know, go to a land that I will show you. And he's like, <laughs> I can imagine like what land, where, which direction do I go? And I kind of asked too many questions. And the same thing happened, you know, with this. Um, 
someone mentioned to me, hey, you should do a Bible study. I did one one Saturday. You know, some people said, hey, this really blessed me. And that's always my goal. You know, I don't do it for any other reason. I'm not looking to, you know, monetize it or or gain anything in the process. I've never asked anyone, you know, for anything to, to support those endeavors. But I just want to see the lives of people impacted. And, and if it's one person or if it's 20 people, you know, I, I treat it the same. And so God just kind of started leading me in that direction. And next thing I know, you know, I'm doing that Bible study for three months. Um, I do a one-on-one interview with with someone that I highly respect, who's an accountability partner in my life. And we just talk about what it means to, you know, parent godly young men. And, you know, next thing I know, again, you know, it's week after week. And, and, and I'm intrigued by pulling people's stories that can be impactful. And my goal has always been to do three things on there to inspire, educate, and motivate. And, um, you know, that's what I try to do every single week. And, and it's, it's, it's been a great platform for, for impacting and touching people's lives. That's awesome. I know I've, I enjoyed your, your, your Saturday Bible studies and then the one-on-ones, you know, they've been, they've been good for me as I know I've been, um, encouraged for sure, inspired and motivated and educated as well. So, yeah, I think, I think God's, God's got something for you in that. Um, but you're also in the process of writing a book. You, you do some preaching in, in your church and then some other churches. So, so where do you see, you know, God leading you through this next phase um, of ministry? So, yeah, I, I, and I don't feel as busy, you know, the funny thing about it is I am, you know, kind of have my hands in a lot of things, but I, I think when you're operating in purpose, you know, you don't feel as stressed or busy about all the things that you're doing. You know, sometimes I can, I can definitely say that I've been operating outside of purpose and I've been busy, but I haven't been productive. Um, but for myself now in this season, I'm, I'm really taking it a day at a time and just seeing the direction that God would lead me in. Um, I love serving. Um, I love just serving people. I love serving in in my local ministry and just being an assistant and a and a help um, to my leader. And um, you know, I I do feel like in time God is is definitely pushing my wife and I to a higher calling in ministry. And so we're just kind of in that preparation season where you know we're allowing God to to develop us. And um, you know that comes with a lot of the things that you see me doing now is, is, is really just like a, a learning season. And, um, you know, again, I, I really try not to, to, to make a lot of plans. You know, uh, one scripture that I love, it says many are the plans in a man's heart, but it's the Lord's purpose that prevails. And so mm. I am just praying and seeking God's purpose greater than, you know, my desires. Um, I think I've kind of gotten past just chasing after, you know, desires or or aspirations just so that I can kind of achieve what I want to achieve. But I, I really just want to do the will of God. And and my wife and I are really open to whatever that is at this point. That's awesome. That's a huge testimony too to, you know, that I, all of us say we want to be in the will of God, but to truly, truly desire that is um to me is kind of the next the next step because that can that can be scary. Oh yeah. <laughs> you know, because, you know, because you said his his plans are greater than ours. And I, I too, am a planner. Um, so oftentimes I think my plans are really good. And then, uh, <laughs> but then when you truly just humble yourself and literally seek his will, you realize that his plans are are better. 
Absolutely. So now I want to ask you, um, you've been a very positive voice lately because there's a lot of division in our country. Um, you know, I want to ask your perspective um, just personally and also as a, as a former athlete and coach on the current, you know, racial tensions. Then, and then what would you say to somebody listening who downplays it, you know, that there really aren't the issues anymore. So, so kind of talk through that from your perspective. You know, for me, um, it, it's, it's one of those things. And, it, and it's really sad that <clears throat> these conversations are not even easy to have anymore because everyone is, um, you know, so territorial in regards mm-hmm. to their thought processes and their beliefs and, you know, their political parties. And, you know, a lot of um, these conversations have turned into political tension areas when really it's it's not about that ultimately at the end of the day it's about you know justice it's about equality it's about love it's about you know people and and I'm a person that and I and I praise God for this that I've had the opportunity to kind of be exposed to a lot you know there are a lot of people that are only subjected to certain areas of life and so they they only know one thing you know they've only been around people that look like them you know people that talk like them people that mm-hmm um, you know, have the same socioeconomic status and, and God has kind of really just given me a, a wide variety of opportunities to, to kind of be in all different arenas. And because of that, you know, I, I, I am able to understand people. Um, you know, I love all people. And so for me, it's, it's difficult when I come across people who, you know, really don't think that way. And, and don't honor and respect people just for who they are. And, um, you know, the unfortunate aspect also is that no matter how much we want to downplay or, or pretend as though, you know, we don't have some of these issues going on, um, they've kind of always been there and, and, and they're still there. And, uh, you know, I think it, it's really a, a strong responsibility for us to kind of stand up for, for what is right, you know, because that's what Jesus did at all times. Mm. And, um, you know, like I said, these conversations haven't been easy, but I've been blessed to be in some arenas where I've had a chance to kind of just, you know, speak that voice um, of reason when possible. And, you know, as cliche as it sounds, you know, I really believe at the end of the day is love is 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 the thing that wins out. You know, we, we can say that stuff and that's what the Bible says. And, you know, it says that the greatest of, of all of these things is love. But I really believe when we operate in love that, you know, we can kind of eat up a lot of this hatred and evil and the things that we're seeing in this world. And so, you know, one of the things that we have to do is just kind of recognize that it's there and then just attack it, you know, hand in hand, unified on all fronts. That's good. I like that. Um, You know, standing up for what's right. That's what Jesus did. That's what Jesus would have us do, you know, back I don't know, 10, 12, 15 years ago, those WWJD bracelets, I think about a lot, you know, what would Jesus do? Everybody wore them. Um, And I often think about now, if we truly ask that question, would that, would that change the way we, we handle things today? If we truly look at what would Jesus do? um, I think it would transform people inside the church and how we respond. Amen. No, I agree hundred percent. It's really, at the end of the day, I, I think the, the, the thing that stood out to me is um, there's there's such a strong lack of empathy amongst mm-hmm. people. And 
And I think there's a unique and distinct difference between empathy and sympathy. You know, it's easy to be sympathetic and just feel sorry for people like, oh, man, you know, I hate that you've gone through that or you experienced that. Um, But but empathy is altogether different. It's like where you're willing to get in the trenches with someone and feel what they're feeling. And, you know, something bothers them, it bothers you. And and you're willing to lay aside, you know, the the lenses by which you see life and, and try to look at it through someone else's perspective and viewpoint. And I think when we do that, it, it makes it easier for us to understand one another and, and to know that, you know, your experience is different than my experience. And, and when I listen to you and I hear your experience, I don't downplay that or I don't disregard that as as being non-factual. But, hey, I'm, I, I listen to you and I hear you. And when we empathize for one another, I think it, it helps us to, to better unify and it, it'll cut down on the division. Couldn't have said it better. That's good. You know, I tell my kids a lot, um, you know, listen with your ears and not your mouth. And I think right Mm -hmm. now, so many people in culture, you know, we're we're listening to respond, not to understand. And I think that's that goes with your what you're talking about with empathy is we're seeing everything through a lens of of politics, left and right, conservative, liberal, Democrat, Republican and not just through the lens of really trying to understand and walk through issues with people because everything is so, it just goes back to, we see everything through a different lens. And if we put on the yeah. lens of the gospel, which is love, Amen. you know, you know, it's Jesus talked about that quite a bit, you know, love others as I have loved you. Well, how did he love us? He, number one, he washed the disciples feet the night before he's going to die. Hmm. Yes, sir. You know, and then he goes and dies on a cross for us. Well, that's love. And if that's what he's asking us to do, um, I, I think that could reshape how we how we respond to these things. Yeah, no, I agree 100 percent. So and I'm going to I know we talked about this last time you were on, but um, we have a lot. Um, our listener audience has grown still mostly student athletes and coaches. So I always like to ask, you know, for what advice you would offer an athlete or a coach that understands the platform of athletics because it can be used for good or bad. So yeah. that coach or student athlete that understands the platform, but really trying to be more bold in their faith, how would you encourage them to, to be more bold? Because that's, that's, that's what we need right now. Yeah. Um, you know, one of the things that, that I try to uh, make sure that my players understood was as we had a, as we had a platform where, you know, we were a Christian foundational program. And so, you know, everything that we did was, was built off of that platform. So the way we governed ourselves, you know, how we went in and out daily, you know, we, we led with prayer, we ended with prayer, you know, we represented something that was bigger than us. And and it wasn't just lip service. It wasn't just because we had a cross on our uniform, like, you know, that's who we were and that was our identity. And one of the things that I, I wanted our young men to understand was that, you know, when you profess, um, you know, something bigger than yourself and you represent God, it doesn't mean that you have to you know, back away from being a competitor. Like, you know, man, it, it really should bring even more out of you and you should go out and exude a level of energy, effort and passion um, that glorifies God because he is the one that, you know, blesses you with the talents and the abilities that you have and in, in, in a way that we glorify and worship him is by going out. And given everything that we have and operating in a level of excellence. 
And uh, I've just been around some great men um, that that have been examples of that. You know, one was Brian Dawkins, who who I brought on uh, with my one on one live. And that whole session was just talking about, you know, passion. I, I had Antoine Randall L on and it was faith in the locker room. And these are men that, you know, are household names and people know who they are. But not only were they good football players, but they were strong men of God. And so, you know, there was no differentiation. You know, when they were playing the game, it wasn't like, hey, now I can, you know, lay down my Christian hat and go be a competitor. No, they, they did it all together. And it was the way that they glorified God. And, and I firmly believe in it, you know. So it, it was kind of how I governed myself as a coach. I'd say the same thing to coaches. Um, you know, I, I didn't allow, you know, cursing and, and all of those things. Everything that we um, expected of our players, you know, the level of respect that they operated under, being young men of character, integrity, accountability, and excellence – I believe that us as coaches had to model that in front of mm. them in order to expect that from them. And so, you know, not every man on my staff was, you know, just this super Christian, but they were men of character that understood our mission and what we were representing, which was bigger than us. And so, you know, we all tried to govern ourselves that way, you know, the way that we coach, how we communicated. You know, when my wife came around, I wanted the young men to see me love my wife. Mm-hmm. in public. I wanted, I talked about my wife. I post my wife on social media. I wanted to be an example, you know, of, of what a strong Christian husband looks like and how you lead and guide your family. You know, I wanted to love my children in front of my players and teach them to respect women, all of those things that, that the Bible teaches us. And um, you don't have to separate being an athlete and being a believer. You know, they, they actually coincide and people respect you more when you're actually willing to stand up for, for who you are and what you say you represent. I like that because I think a lot of times, you know, people outside the Christian circles have this false thought that if, if I'm a Christian athlete or a coach and I'm soft, I've got, I can't, I can't expect as much, you know, that there's this, yeah, soft is probably the right word. And that's so far from, from what's, what's in the Bible. I mean, I think Jesus um, would would want coaches to have high expectations, expect excellence, because that's that's what he expects of us as followers of him. And so that's what wherever we are, whether you're a coach in business or husbands and wives, those expectations are high. So that's good stuff. No, absolutely. It's man, I I think my, my faith was probably the governing factor that made me the type of coach that I was, you know, like just my level of expectation and the energy and the the time and preparation that I put in. Part of that was just because I know that's what God expects of me and in, in whatever I do. And I felt a strong sense of responsibility, you know, as a coach, because I look at coaching as a call and not just something mm-hmm. that you do, you know, so I see it as a high responsibility and certainly being a head coach of a program you know, I felt like the the responsibility fell on my shoulders of, of the product that we represented in and how we governed ourselves, how we competed, how we practiced, how we played, you know, the, the level of sportsmanship that we exuded. Like all of that stuff was was on the backdrop of who we were as believers. And you mentioned two guys that you've had on your one on ones. I'll give a little plug for those. I mean, if you, 
if you have any doubt about what it means to have passion, go go watch any video, but go on Instagram and, and see the video of Brian Dawkins. I mean, he, I, I can't remember exactly how he said it. I wrote it down somewhere. I thought I had it in his notes here, but it, it must be in another folder. But he talked about his passion and, you know, being a believer and playing with that much passion and that that's, that's the only way he knew how to do it as a follower yeah. of Christ was to play with that passion. Um, Antoine Randall was another one. I, I thought that's who they were, Christian right. athlete. Um, and that's how they, they played the game. It wasn't two separate things. And um, I just think there's so much, even people outside of sports can learn from that. Um, because I, I think that's what, what we all need is, is to, if we passionately follow Christ, then we're going to passionately love others. We're going to passionately pursue our jobs, pursue our families. And that's good stuff. Yes, sir. So let me ask you, you mentioned a favorite scripture, um, Proverbs 16, 3, but I was going to ask you, if there is there a one that God has just really used in your life recently you'd share with us? I mentioned the, the scripture, many are the plans in a man's heart. The funny thing is, this is a very, this is a very, I don't want to say cliche, but it's a very popular scripture. But the truth of the matter is, is, is I'm kind of living right in the middle of Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 right now. Mm. of trusting the Lord with all my heart and leaning not unto my own understanding, you know, just seeking to acknowledge him in all of my ways and allowing him to direct my path. Um, resigning from coaching, I, I didn't have a plan. Like I really didn't. And so as I was praying and, and kind of just seeking God for a direction and what to do, you know, I would have never known we were walking into a pandemic. I would have never known that the school would be shut down a month later. Like there were a lot of things that I had no idea of, but obviously God in his, you know, all knowing ability, he knew those things. And yet he, he still gave me that directive to kind of walk away. And so, you know, that's what I've been trying to do is really just trust God, like with everything in me, even when things don't go the way that I think that they should go or, or I can't really see what the next step is, you know, that requires me to trust at a level that maybe in the past, you know, I, I, I hadn't done. You know, I always felt like this. And I shared this with my wife about a week ago. I told her, I said, you know, up until this point, kind of everything that's happened in my life has kind of been God just pushing me out of the boat. Like, you know, get out there and just do this, you know. So, you know, my career in the NFL, um, you know, when my career ended, like it didn't end on my own terms. I didn't choose to retire from football. Like God just kind of just shut the door and just said, this is mm -hmm. over. And I wasn't really ready for that, but he pushed me out of the boat and said, you got to trust me for this next season of life and for this transition. And um, this is the first time where I feel like I stepped out of the boat. Like mm -hmm. God gave me the opportunity to choose. He told me what he wanted me to do. But he gave me the opportunity to choose. So it was like Peter. It was like, Lord, if this is you, you know, bid me to come. And he was like, come. And I stepped out. And it's like ever since my eyes have just been on him. And I'm taking like one step at a time, like hoping not to sink. And so Proverbs 3, 5 and 6 is just, man, that that's that's my mantra right now. I'm living off of that. I love that. And, you know, that's just one of those scriptures. I think if you grew up in the church, you sometimes you can hear it so much that your mind is almost numb to it, you know? So I think yeah, it, it, yeah, yeah. it is good that to go through times like this, when those familiar scriptures really take on a new life. I had a conversation with someone a couple months ago and, you know, we're talking about Galatians six, nine, don't grow weary and doing mm -hmm. good. And how yeah. they were saying the same thing about going through the pandemic. They've heard that scripture their whole life. Yeah. But then 
you know, being a coach during this time of there is a season, there's not a season. I mean, it's just every day it was changing and truly living out and digging into Galatians 6, 9 and Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. It, yeah. um, it makes those familiar scriptures really, really take take root and, and, and have a meaning. I think, I mean, I'm guilty of it a lot of scriptures that I, the popular quote unquote scriptures that, that you grew up with that just kind of gloss over them when I see them because, Oh, I've read that a thousand times. And then <laughs> you get to one like a Proverbs three, five and six and go, boom, you know, and then, <laughs> then God brings you to it and it really come, comes to a new life. And that's good. Yes, sir. So let's close it out with, um, you know, talking about two words all in. I mean, we know what it means in sports. We know what it means in life. But, you know, Jesus says, if you're going to follow me, you got to deny yourself. You got to be all in and following him. So what does that look like from a practical sense, like on a daily basis for you, you know, to be all in your walk? How does that how does that look for you in the mornings or in the evenings with your time with him? You know, I think it's um, the way I look at it is is almost like unrestricted commitment, Mm -hmm. like not holding back. Um, I think so often just as people in general, we struggle with commitment and, and I think it's part of the reason, and I'll be honest, I won't say people, I'll say myself. Um, because part of the reason that I, I think I struggled with committing my life to Christ when I was younger was because I didn't want to be all in. Like I wanted mm-hmm. to kind of have one foot in one foot out, you know, still kind of have fun. And I felt like I would be missing out on something if I fully committed my life to Christ. And, and I'm one of those people that I fear failure. So I, I just knew that I didn't have the strength within myself to, to live the righteous life that, that God, you know, desires of us. And so I, I didn't want to do it. I was just like, I'm not going to do something that I know I'm going to fail at. So, you know, when I'm about 30, 35 years old and, you know, and I've gotten everything out of my system, and what I learned was that I could never fix myself up enough to come to him. I had to come to him and then he fixed me up. And so, you know, being all in is just unrestricted commitment, like not holding back a portion of ourselves. And and sometimes that that's painful. You know, it, it, it doesn't look pretty all the time. And I'm learning that more and more every single day that that denial of myself um, it's a beautiful thing in my relationship with Christ, but it can be a painful thing in the natural um, just because being all in on anything and it requires you to have a strong level of focus and to block out the distractions. And so that's just what I'm trying to do in my faith. Um, you know, oftentimes I, I will just shut down life. Um, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll disappear from social media two and three weeks at a time and and I know it's odd to people who get used to hearing me every single day or seeing me post, but those are moments when I really need to hear from God. And I and I don't want to be distracted. And a part of me being all in is to rid myself of the distractions because sometimes there can be too many voices and then his voice becomes, you know, muffled. And so, you know, that's a part of being all in to me is just having unrestricted commitment and and really just doing my best to to be pleasing to God and not even pleasing to myself. You know, I, I, I've struggled with that throughout my life. And I think it's a harsh reality to come to. Um, you know, my pursuit of success hasn't always been for the glory of God. It's been, you know, for my own notoriety or for position or what I can gain. 
And God is really stripping me of that. And, and I'm really just trying to be all in with whatever his will and purpose is concerning. me. I like the unrestricted commitment because I think a lot of people, me included, struggle with the unrestricted commitment, you know, because, yeah. hey, God, I'll give you this, but I need this little piece of my life. <laughs> you know, I, I need to hold on to that a little bit longer. Um, right. Yeah, I like that. I wrote that down. Unrestricted commitment. That's that's a good one. I think I need to print that and put it where <laughs> I see it every day. Yeah, it's just a great reminder because, yeah. you know, we know that's what he asked of us, but that doesn't make it easy. Um, Correct. So that's good. Well, hey, man, I appreciate it. I know um, I know you have a lot going on, but it's good to, to reconnect. And I just want to say I appreciate what you, you know, the encouragement uh, you've been to me personally. I, I, I just... Uh, I really, really, really appreciate it. No, likewise, I, I, I am um, extremely grateful for for your support, your engagement, you know, our communication. Um, you know, you encourage me a lot sometimes and you probably don't even know it. It's, it's <laughs> those moments when I just need to hear that, you know, what I'm doing is making a difference. It's that 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 Galatians six and nine. Sometimes I can get weary and well doing and I'm just mm-hmm. like, why am I doing all of this stuff? And, you know, you may send me a text or a message or I jump on the contenders group me chat and, you know, there's some super encouragement in there just coming through. And those are things that you've orchestrated and, you know, God is using you mightily. And and, and I pray for you and your continued um, success and in, in just impact in the kingdom. Awesome. Thank you again to Vernon for taking time to to share his story, to encourage us. And as I look over my notes, there's so many things we could talk about in this recap. But two words that I wrote down, two words that have been on my heart ever since we recorded it, two words that I've been using to evaluate my own life, my own walk with Jesus, and that is unrestricted commitment. And I would ask, as I am doing, that we would all do that. You know, take a minute and evaluate your life and and to see if your walk with Christ, if it exhibits unrestricted commitment, because that's really what Jesus calls us to be when we're all in in our walk with Jesus. It's it's unrestricted commitment commitment. So thank you again, Vernon. And I'd ask you to to share this episode with somebody. I know there's somebody in your life that could use a, a positive word, some encouragement. So so please share it. Also, if you're not a subscriber to, to this podcast, whatever podcast platform you use to listen, I'd ask you to hit that subscribe button. There's over 150 previous episodes that will encourage you and, and there's some more coming. So thank you for, for listening. Thank you for your support. Thank you for your prayers. And the last thing is, is we love to hear from you. You can go to our website, www.allinsportsoutreach.org, or you can go Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and just type in the search bar, All In Sports Outreach. It'll take you to our pages, and you can find out who we are, why we do what we do, uh, opportunities to, to serve, opportunities to, to give, opportunities to pray for us. So once again... Go to our website, go to our social media, uh, find out who, a little bit more about who we are and, and just opportunities to, to be on this journey with us. Thank you again for listening. Thank you for your support. Thank you for your encouragement.